God does not do magic. He is the God of knowledge and wisdom, the God of understanding. He is the God above all gods. The word science means knowledge. It is impossible for the God of all knowledge to be contrary to true science. Consider the beauty of the words of God. When one takes time to consider words that are generally only surface read, when time is taken for spiritual examination, these words truly run deep, very deep, a revelation that is inexhaustible. Luke chapter sixteen seventeen addresses the utter supremacy of God's words and laws. And it is easier for heaven and earth to pass than one tittle of the law to fail. Matthew chapter 5, 18, For verily I say unto you, till heaven and earth pass, one jot or one tittle shall in no wise pass from the law till all be fulfilled. According to Noah Webster's 1828 dictionary, a jot is the name of the letter, an iota, a point, a tittle, the least quantity assignable. Webster says of tittle, an inscription put over anything as a name by which it is known. In the civil and canon laws, a chapter or division of a book. The least quantity assignable, a jot or a tittle, of the laws and precepts of God are greater than the earth, its universe, and all its inhabitants. The simple explanation for the supremacy of the Word of God is that literally everything is made out of words, even you and me. God spoke all into existence out of that which is invisible. The human DNA is the book of life, and it houses all the instructions for the manufacturing of the human body using a four-letter alphabet that structures those instructions in words, sentences, paragraphs, chapters, and books. God's words, God's laws are utterly supreme. They are creation words, and that is why it is easier for heaven and earth to pass than one tittle of the law to fail. Dear visitor, have you been born again, born a second time, this time of the Spirit of God? The Word of God that made you is the same Word that saves you. Once you repent and turn from your sins and surrender your life to Christ, whose name is the Word of God, everything changes, absolutely everything. Will today be your day? Will today be the day the shed blood of Jesus Christ washes all your sins and shame away? Will this day be the day all your satanic bondages are broken? You must choose. The same words of God that made you and that saved you will make you a new and glorious child of God. Today is your day. Click on the Further with Jesus for childlike instructions and immediate entry into the kingdom of God. Now for today's subject. God said, Proverbs 22, verses 20 through 21, Have not I written to thee excellent things and counsels and knowledge that I might make thee know the certainty of the words of truth, that thou mightest answer the words of truth to them that send unto thee. God said, Proverbs chapter 30, verses 5 and 6, Every word of God is pure. He is a shield unto them that put their trust in him. And thou add thou not unto his words, lest he reprove thee, and thou be found a liar. 
Mann said in a Time magazine feature published December 31, 1999, under the title Iconoclast of the Century Charles Darwin, you'll find the following. Charles Darwin didn't want to murder God, as he once put it, but he did. End of quote. Now the record. The quote above reminds me of the blasphemy spouted by the famous German atheist Nietzsche. The statement which found serious traction in academia was, God is dead, signed Nietzsche. I once saw a bumper sticker that weighed in on this matter. It read, Nietzsche is dead, signed God. Nietzsche, by the way, died in an insane asylum. Charles Darwin, mentioned above, who preceded Nietzsche in death, also had well-documented mental social illnesses. Welcome to God Said, Man Said, feature 902, that will once again certify the marvelous inerrancy of God's holy book. All of these faith-building features are archived here in text and streaming audio for your edification and as ammunition in the battle for the lost souls of Adam, and it is indeed a battle royal. Every Thursday Eve, God willing, they grow by one. We appreciate your visit. May the face of our God shine upon you and your house. It is not proof that is lacking. It is not proof that God is that is absent. It is that the love for sin abounds. Jesus said so in John three eighteen through 20, He that believeth on him is not condemned, but he that believeth not is condemned already, because he hath not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. And this is the condemnation that light is come into the world, and men love darkness rather than light, because their deeds were evil. For every one that doeth evil hateth the light, neither cometh to the light, lest his deeds should be reproved. Get ready for Holy Ghost shock and awe. God proof number 141, Hosea chapter 4, 11 through 14. Whoredom and wine and new wine take away the heart. My people ask counsel at their stocks, and their staff declareth unto them, for the spirit of whoredoms hath caused them to err, and they have gone a-whoring from under their God. They sacrifice upon the tops of the mountains, and burn incense upon the hills, under oaks and poplars and elms, because the shadow thereof is good. Therefore your daughters shall commit whoredom, and your spouses shall commit adultery. I will not punish your daughters when they commit whoredom, nor your spouses when they commit adultery, for themselves are separated with whores, and they sacrifice with harlots. Therefore the people that doth not understand shall fall. God said, Because you have rejected the standard of righteousness and morality, your daughters shall commit whoredom, and your spouses shall commit adultery. Let's see what the record has to say. More than 1.6 million babies were born to unmarried women, or 38.5% of all births in the U.S. in 2006. For mothers under 20 years of age, over 90% of births are to unmarried women. 95% of Americans have engaged in premarital sex. The U.S. Census Bureau, 2000, shows that unmarried couples living together rose 72% in just 10 years. Over half of today's marriages are preceded by cohabitation, which was virtually unheard of just 50 years ago. 
Only 25% of Americans believe cohabitation is morally wrong. Accurate infidelity reports are hard to pin down, but the 1980 Height Report claimed that 72% of men married two or more years were unfaithful. A 1987 survey claimed that 70% of women married five or more years were unfaithful. Keep in mind, those numbers are well over 30 years old. P. Vaughn, in the book Monogamy Myth, placed infidelity as 60% among men and 40% among women. When the word of God, the standard of morality, is rejected, the results are always devastating. This is just another proof that God is, and that obeying or disobeying His commandments bears real fruit. Take heed. Choose life and live. God said whoredom and adultery. Proof number 142, Proverbs chapter 22, verses 20 and 21, and Hebrews 13, verse 8. Have not I written to thee excellent things and counsels and knowledge, that I might make thee know the certainty of the words of truth, that thou mightest answer the words of truth to them that send unto thee? And then Hebrews, Jesus Christ, the same yesterday and today and forever. Samuel Arbusman, in his book, The Half-Life of Facts, with the subhead, Why Everything We Know Has an Expiration Date, points out some disconcerting facts, such as A. Medical knowledge about cirrhosis and hepatitis takes about 45 years for half of it to be disproven or become out of date. B. These results are nearly identical to a similar study that examined the overturning of information in surgery, Two Australian surgeons found that half of the facts in that field also become false every 45 years. C. John, uh, John Ioannidis is a Greek physician and professor at the University of Ionina School of Medicine, and he is obsessed with understanding the failings and more human properties of the scientific process. He has found that for highly cited clinical trials, initially the significant and large effects are later found to have smaller effects or often no effect at all in a non-trivial number of instances. Looking within the medical literature over a period of nearly 15 years, Ioannidis examined the most highly cited studies. Of the 45 papers he examined, seven of them, over 15%, initially had higher effects and another seven were contradicted outright by later research. D. Another way to avoid the surprise of changes in knowledge is to simply recognize that it's not that surprising. We are getting better at internalizing this. For example, many medical schools inform their students that within several years, half of what they've been taught will be wrong, and the teachers just don't know which half. End of quotes. Man's truth is better known as uncertainty. When discussing life and death and heaven and hell, man's thoughts are fraught with uncertainty, but on these matters and on all others, God's word is certain and clear. Man's truth of yesterday is debunked by his truth of today, and today's truth will be debunked by his truth of tomorrow because carnal man's truth is not the truth at all. Proof number 143, Psalms 119, verse 130. The entrance of thy words giveth light, it giveth understanding unto the simple. The amazing interchangeability of words and light is very as a very serious focus in the Bible. 
Amazing discoveries in the field of science are confirming the oneness, the interchangeability of light and words. The following excerpts are from the God Said, Man Said feature words of amazement, words we must master. New research that began in the 1990s and continues on today has uncovered the astounding relationship between words, light, which is radiant information, frequencies, and DNA. This research was led by Dr. Jodor Karjajov and consider the following information. This research was led by Dr. Jodor Garjajev, member of the Russian Academy of Sciences as well as the Academy of Sciences in New York. The Russian research was taking a wide angle and held an open view in their studies. The research team included biophysicists, molecular biologists, embryologists, and even linguistic experts. Their research revealed that the supposed junk DNA that has been completely neglected and forgotten by Western mainstream science was no redundant leftover of evolution at all. The most astonishing experiment performed by Gargajev's group is the reprogramming of the DNA coding sequences using modulated laser light. From their discovered grammatical syntax of the DNA language, they were able to modulate coherent laser light and even radio waves and add semantics, meaning, to the carrier wave. In this way, they were able to reprogram in vivo DNA in living organisms by using the correct resonant frequencies of DNA. The most impressive discovery made so far is that spoken language can be modulated to the carrier wave with the same reprogramming effect. Now, this is a baffling and stunning scientific discovery. Our own DNA can simply be reprogrammed by human speech, supposing that the words are modulated on the correct carrier frequencies. Consider this paragraph published in the June 2011 issue of Scientific American. The author is Sean Brixey. Arts Chair, Center for Digital Arts and Experimental Media, University of Washington. In my recent work, I mostly make poems out of matter and energy. Some are small, exotic projects that at first blush seem nearly impossible. I build a work that exploits the phenomenon of sonoluminescence, in which extremely high-pressure sound waves and liquids create tiny sources of electromagnetic energy. The installation converts text from a computer keyboard to synthesize speech with enough sonic force to form and hold a tiny bubble at the center of a jar of water. The sound causes the bubbles to implode and then form again 50,000 times a second through a process that is still not fully understood. The implosions generate a bright point of visible light. It is a star in a jar created by spoken word, end of quote. Oh, the amazing interchangeability of words and light and their oneness. Thousands of years before modern academia begins to arrive at an understanding, God's word is already there declaring the end from the beginning and certifying the supernatural truth of holy writ. The entrance of thy words giveth light. Proof number 144, Psalms chapter 16, verse 14. Their sorrows shall be multiplied that hastened after other gods. Their drink offerings of blood will I not offer, nor take up their names into my lips. 
There are many gods in this world, gods with little g's. Satan and his fallen angels would qualify. Listen to this classic case of false advertising, where Satan promises grandmother Eve the following in Genesis 3-5, For God doth know that in the day ye eat thereof, then your eyes shall be opened, and ye shall be as gods, knowing good and evil. But there is only one big G-O-D, and he created all, even his distractors. The little G's hold sway over peoples and nations, and one of the major strongholds is the religions of men. The Hindu religion is one of the world's three major religions. This Hindu god delivers real, measurable torment. Remember, Psalm 16:14 states, Their sorrows shall be multiplied. The following excerpts on Hinduism are from Bob Larson's 570-page tome, The Book of World Religions and Alternative Spirituality. He writes, Despite the lofty philosophical ideals of Hinduism, its effect can be seen in the more bizarre outgrowths inherent in this ancient faith. In some villages, temples care for and feed sacred rats at a cost of thousands of dollars a year. Such vermin dispose of 15% of India's grain. The cobra, which, which is also worshipped, kills 20,000 Indians each year. Females, whom Hindu legend uh, relegate to a decidedly inferior state, are so despised that some Indian mothers deliberately strangle their girl babies. Sadhus, in the name of religious devotion, have been known to sit on a bed of nails and not speak for years, grow their hair into seven-foot braids, stand on a leg like a stork for months, or hold an arm outstretched until it atrophies. But sacred cows get the most publicity. Since the cow is believed to be the mother goddess of life, its urine is drunk to purify the soul. They freely roam the streets of urban centers, like Calcutta, depositing dung everywhere. Aged holy cows are even provided with rest homes called gosadans. I once observed two Indian women fighting over a pile of warm, fresh cow manure. A swami nearby explained their zeal by declaring, Since the cow is a god, the cow is holy. Therefore, whatever comes out of the cow is also holy. In Wikipedia, under snake worship, you'll find this. Over a large part of India, there are carved representations of cobras or nagas, or stones as substitutes. To these human food and flowers are offered, and lights are burned before the shrines. Among some South Indian, a cobra which is accidentally killed is burned like a human being. No one would kill one intentionally. The serpent god's image is carried in an annual procession by a celibate priestess. End of quote. The headline on the site, EnglishOhMyNews.com, it reads this, Hindus worship snake god on July 30. On Nag Puja, snake worship day, also known as Nag Panchami, on July 30, doors of many houses are decorated by a poster of Nag, the snake god. Today, the posters of Nag is worshipped with vermilion powder, flour, sacred grass, and pasted in the door with cow dung, not by glue. Cow dung is considered as pure, unlike paste. The poster is then splashed with cow's milk because milk is the food of the snakes. In the crown of Buddha, we can see the design of Nag. This evidence shows that Nag is worshipped as God. On this day, all Hindus clean their house and splash cow urine, holy water, 
all around the house. Then the poster of Nog is posted first at the top of the main door and the other doors of the room also. End of quote. The Bible says their sorrows will be multiplied. Proof number 145, Matthew chapter 27, verse 45, speaks of one of many miraculous events that took place during the crucifixion of Jesus Christ. Now from the sixth hour, there was darkness over all the land until the ninth hour. Around 800 years earlier, the book of Amos prophesies the following in chapter 8, verse 9. And it shall come to pass in that day, saith the Lord God, that I will cause the sun to go down at noon, and I will darken the earth in the clear day. Concerning the three hours of darkness that God's word refers to, secular historians such as Thallus and Phlegon attribute this darkness to a solar eclipse, but erroneously, which will be pointed out later. However, Phlegon's statement is particularly telling, and it reads, There was the largest and most famous eclipse that had ever occurred. The day was so turned into night at the sixth hour, which is noon, that the stars were seen. Also, an earthquake in Bithany destroyed many houses in the city of Nicaea. End of quote. Three hours of darkness? The following excerpt is found on this website in the feature article, The Historicity of Jesus Christ. One of the first Gentile writers who mentions Christ is Thallus, who wrote in 52 A.D., However, his writings have disappeared, and we only know of them from fragments cited by other writers. One such writer is Julius Africanus, a Christian writer um, who lived about 221 A.D. What he has to say is that Thallus, in the third book of histories, explains the way a certain darkness as an eclipse of the sun. This is unreasonable, of course, because a solar eclipse could not take place at the time of the full moon, and it was the time of the paschal full moon that Christ died. From this reference, we see that the gospel account of the darkness which fell upon the land during Christ's crucifixion was well known and required a naturalistic explanation from those non-believers who witnessed it. So that Thallus was attributing it to an eclipse of the sun, but it couldn't have been an eclipse of the sun since it was the paschal full moon. You see, Jesus Christ was crucified, crucified, excuse me, on the Passover, the Paschal full moon. Henry Morris, in his book, Many Infallible Proofs, writes this on the subject of this miraculous darkness. There is no evidence in astronomical history of a normal solar eclipse at this time, though there are certain traditions in other lands of a period of darkness. Yet the fact of these supernatural darkness was apparently well known to all those that dwelt in Jerusalem and to those who read first the accounts of it in the gospel. The Annals of the World, a book written by Archbishop Usher, was published two years after his death in 1658 A.D. According to paragraph 6501, he refers to the writings of Eusebius, who wrote in the 4th century. Eusebius also mentioned Lucian, Lucian the martyr testified and Rufinus uh, to the darkness at that time by appealing to the writings of the heathen themselves. Search your writings and you shall find that in Pilate's time when Christ suffered, the, the suffer, excuse me, the sun was suddenly withdrawn and a darkness followed. Before him, Tertullian had stated, at the same moment the day was withdrawn even when the sun was at the height. 
those who never knew that this also had been spoken concerning Christ, judged it to be nothing but an eclipse. However, you shall find this event that happened to the world recorded even in your own archives, end of quote. The following is found in Grant Jeffrey's book, Jesus, the Great Debate. Thales and Fliegen, two pagan historians who lived in the first century, both reported an unusual darkness that blotted out the sun for three hours during the Passover in the year A.D. 32, the year of Jesus' crucifixion. These reports confirm that the prophecy of Amos and Matthew's historical records are accurate. End of quote. God is, and He is the rewarder of those who diligently seek Him. God's Word is a place to build a life that will last forever. It's true, every jot and every tittle. God said, Proverbs chapter 22, 20 and 21, Have not I written to thee excellent things and counsels and knowledge, that I might make thee know the certainty of the words of truth, that thou mightest answer the words of truth to them that send unto thee? God said, Proverbs 35 and 6, Every word of God is pure. He is a shield unto them that put their trust in him. Add thou not unto his words, lest he reprove thee, and thou be found a liar. Man said in a Time magazine feature published December 31, 1999, under the title, Iconoclast of the Century Charles Darwin, you'll find the following. Charles Darwin didn't want to murder God, as he once put it, but he did. End of quote. Yeah, now you have the record. <laughs> 